0: Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Musos, for diligently serving us week after week. Uh, it really is a great gift to us uh, to not have to be led in worship by me. Uh, and so thank you all for that. No, don't aim in too loudly back there. Thank you very much. Uh, but really, we do appreciate every single gift uh, that contributes to this church. And I think we often overlook Justine, who is an incredible gift to this church. Um, and she especially loves being highlighted in public and just really affirmed. So that's why I'm doing that. Um, but really are grateful for every gift that does function within this body. Uh, without you, we really would not be all that God has called us to. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be actually looking at today. And so over the years, I've put um, kind of the slide together, which really simplistically looking uh, if you look at the life of a Christian, is really to learn to love others, uh, to learn to love God. Uh, we do that through making of disciples. Uh, we see that the early church, if you look around the edges committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Uh, And really that's, in some ways, just a very simplistic or easy way of just looking at what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Uh, In the bottom right quadrant, as Liberty, we feel God particularly calling us to family, both blood and spiritual family, uh, also community, the people around us, but then also the priesthood of all believers, meaning all of us contribute uh, to what God is doing uh, through his efforts in this church Uh, And so, Liberty is trying to give herself to the very thing Jesus is commanding us to do, right? To love God and to love others. Uh, And that's really easy, yes? Easy to love God, right? The others part? Yeah, it depends who the others are, I suppose. Um, But it is a lifelong journey, um, and our hope really is to grow in that, uh, and then when the Lord returns, or we end up like the Queen and end up in the presence of the Lord, uh, that we would have been sanctified and grown and matured into a place where uh, God can say, well done, good and faithful servant. Do we not all want to hear those words, yes? Uh, Not you little slackers, what is going on? No, we don't want to hear that. We hear that enough in this world. We want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servants. And so it's a a pretty simple mandate. Uh, We get it from Matthew 22 when the lawyer, the um, Pharisee comes to ask Jesus, Uh, What is the most important thing in life? What is the great commandment? And Jesus says, love God and love others as yourself. It's very simple. Uh, Then later on in Matthew 28, uh, his parting words to his disciples, he's basically saying the way that we work that thing out is to actually go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, And so that's what we want to give ourselves to. And the, the really fascinating and interesting thing is that God wants us to do that as a community, but he's also got individual and specific roles for you. And so somehow your life weaves into the lives of those sitting around you Uh, I think we can err sometimes on both extremes, yes, we just become a number in a congregation and we're just kind of moving along in some uh, direction that some lead guys decided we're supposed to go in. Uh, But then the other problem is that we're kind of Christians back at home and our Christianity is ours, it's just me and the Lord, you know, we're going to work this thing out. Uh, But actually, I think the perfect picture from Jesus is a healthy balance of both of those things. That together as a body we move forward to bring glory to the head, but then God's also made you a specific part of this body. And so you're not meant to look like me, one of me is enough. You can ask my wife. We need all of us to be the way that God has made us to be in order for liberty to be wholesome and to be whole. And so what is a disciple? Very cool that we need to be- become disciples and be disciples, but what exactly is a disciple? And so very simply a disciple really is a student. A disciple is a student, one who learns. Uh, And so the disciples were committed to learning, uh, to spend great resource and time accumulating information, accumulating understanding, uh, learning what their teacher has to teach, and also to, to become proficient in their field. And so for all of us, we certainly are disciples in various aspects of our lives, but ultimately we're disciples of Jesus trying to become like him, trying to learn about him, trying to learn what he teaches. And uh, so even his command uh, to go and teach all that I have commanded is a command in and of itself. And so we need to be obedient to that. And so the, the, the early apostles just spent their lives, the rest of once Jesus had gone to be in heaven, uh, spent their lives trying to help the up-and-coming disciples to become more and more like Jesus. And that commandment continues. That's our job description as Christians. Uh, I think we can overcomplicate this life, I really do. I think we can overcomplicate our faith, uh, where God's actually just calling us to become followers of Him, to learn more about Him, to learn to love Him, but then to take that love and to demonstrate it upon others, and to do that in obedience to Him. And so, what the disciples' life looks like, there's this term mentoring, right? And so, for us, as we're going through life, we're there to mentor others, but then also to be mentored. I think mentorship, for those of you who don't really have anyone that mentors you, uh, maybe it's just that you haven't found the right person, but I found from my life, when I don't have someone who's speaking into my life, there's really an element of pride. There is an element that I don't really want to submit all of this stuff to other people. I just want to live this life with Jesus, Him, and me. Uh, And so part of becoming disciples is actually to humble ourselves and to be taught from those who've gone ahead of us. There's a bunch of gray hairs in this congregation who they may think, have not really much to offer. But you know, it's God's design for us to be spending time with them, to be learning from them, to be gathering from them, to be hearing from them. They've forgotten stuff we haven't even learned yet. No. Eh? Hey? <laughs> They're not just there for babysitting, although thank you, Lord, that they are. There's much that we get to learn from them. They've got so much time on their hands, right? No, they don't, but... <laughs> are incredibly willing to give of their time. The people in this congregation are incredibly generous with their time, and I want to encourage all of us who are younger. So what's that? Everyone 80 down, huh? All of us to find people to speak into our lives. Let's not try and work our way through this life on our own. We're just going to waste time, really. There are some things, granted, that we have to go through in order to learn that is the way that life is but I think there's much in our lives where we can be comforted, we can be encouraged, we can be taught from those whom God has already walked many years with. And I think God's calling us to that space to humble ourselves and to learn from the saints around us. How can you make a disciple if someone's not willing to listen? Surely that's God's design. And so I want to encourage us as a community to find people to speak into our lives. And they may be your same age. They may be younger than you. God is incredibly kind and in even using children to speak into our lives, right? You know, when they, when they mimic you or they reflect you in a public area, that's the Lord using a child to rebuke you and to get you to work on various aspects of your character if you're willing to listen and not just go, that's definitely your mother's genes. No actually to humble ourselves and go, maybe the Lord's actually discipling me through my child. And so let us view mentorship in a positive way. Absolutely, I think there have been maybe a headmaster that you've experienced who's quite domineering and authoritarian, uh, but that's not what God's intending. God wants mentors to come around us and encourage us and help us and, and let us walk this road with Jesus. And how many areas are there? There's faith, there's our finances, there's our family right? Even our health, there's so many areas that we need counsel from other people who specialize and perhaps have been given additional grace in that area. We've all been given different graces for different areas of our lives. Why is it that some people who just look at a job opportunity and it just produces millions and then others graft year after year and nothing happens? Why? Because it's a grace given by God. So what do we do? Do we just run away from that person and go, oh, will you go spend all your money? No, we go to them and learn. We asked him to mentor us in finance. It's like if you're playing golf. You can be intimidated by Luke. He's pretty good. Or you can go alongside him and say, Luke, teach me. I know he's probably like, oh, no, please, no. But anyway, that's the point. His gift is not just for him. He didn't wake up one day and go like, oh, you know what? I'm just such a brilliant golfer. The Lord put that in him and has enabled him to become something that perhaps for many of us will never achieve. But that doesn't mean we can't learn from him doesn't mean we can't get our 52 handicap down to 51, right? From a guy who's positive. Yes, Luke believes in everybody who he plays with. That's the idea, is that people who come alongside us, not to intimidate us. Eskom also needs some mentoring, just by the way. But that's what the people who are gifted around us are supposed to do, help us, not intimidate us. How open are you to others speaking into your life? We all have blind spots, right? Let's be open to having mentors and those around us, saints speaking into our lives. This is an element of humility which we all need to learn. But ultimately, our teacher is Jesus, right? So we're going to hear from others around us. We're going to hear from those who've walked with the Lord. But what we really want to do is actually hear from Jesus. That's the point, because we're ultimately his disciples. And so he gifts us people around us. But he also says, do not be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all students. And call no one your father on earth, for you have one father, the one in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. So he's not saying you mustn't be fathers, you mustn't be rabbis, and you mustn't be instructors. What he's saying is that fathers are meant to lead people to the father. Mentors are meant to lead people to the mentor. Rabbis are meant to lead people to the rabbi. That's the point. And so we're not trying to create little versions of ourselves, little Glens. We don't want more of those. We've got six. That's enough. We don't need more of those. We don't want to create little Richards. We want to create little Christs. That's what Christians are, little Christs, little people like Jesus. And so for all of our mentoring, for all of our disciple making, for all of our learning, this craft of Christianity is actually to become like Jesus. That's what he intends for you and for me. And so true students, they don't learn just intellectually. I think for many of us, our church may have just become this intellectual information overload, yes. We just learn, 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 learn. It's not the point. God also wants us to emulate the heart of Christ. He also wants to, us to emulate the hands of Christ, to get out into the world and be obedient to Him and to get stuff done. It's not just sitting and learning and learning and learning. And Michael Eaton, a faithful saint who also went to be with the Lord, Uh, would often say that when churches become universities, we have a problem. We're not just here to stand and just have a guy preach to us. That's not the point. There's purpose in this, but the purpose is to get us out there and to make disciples and to become disciples of Jesus. And all of us have a part to play. A disciple is not above the teacher nor a slave above the master. It is enough. For the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. That's the point of your life, to become like Jesus. To learn to love God and Jesus in the way that he perfectly loved others, but then also spent his life making disciples. Doesn't this simplify our walk all of a sudden? I don't know about you, but there's some mornings I wake up and I'm like thinking of the things the Lord's called me to and the things I need to get to. And I look at this and I'm just like, Lord, just come and fetch me right now, please. It's just, it's too much. There's too much going on here. My family needs work. My finances need work. There's just so much. But then there's times like today when he just pulls me back to the very foundations of what he's called me to be, which is to be like Jesus. And it simplifies things. Yes, there's still going to be stuff that needs to get done. But at least it revives that hope in you, right? It gives you that energy to just take another step with the Lord. And so often that is found when we surround ourselves with saints, we begin to speak life into our lives. And yeah. I mean, you find yourself sometimes just a really rough week, and it's, it's not that you just went, oh, actually, everything's okay. Someone's spoken something. Someone sent you a prayer. Someone's been praying for you, and suddenly that weight is off because the Lord has surrounded us with, with incredibly loving people who love the Lord and love us and want to see us become a disciple. Can we commit ourselves to that kind of a lifestyle? Simple like a child before the Lord, yes, there's stuff to do. But to just grow in love for God and to grow in love for others. Because a disciple lives in fellowship. We don't do this thing alone. And that's what God's design and desire is for us. But the word I'm really sensing God wanting to call us to this morning is intentional discipleship. To be intentional about what he is calling you to, what he is speaking to you, what he's speaking to us as a church. There's an intentionality with which Jesus lived, right? I never did anything but what I saw the Father doing. And that's pretty intentional. He didn't stuff around. He didn't do anything. His timing to get to Lazarus. I mean, we look at that and it's like, that is really messed up, right? let the guy die. He could have been there earlier. But Jesus knew that actually this entire scenario was for the glory of God. And so he waited, he comforted, he cried, but ultimately spoke life into a situation where we could not speak life. No one around him could have resolved that situation but Jesus himself, because he lived every single moment for the glory of God. And I think God's calling us into a season of intentional discipleship. And what that means is being intentional with your own discipleship, but also with your contribution to this body. And I think that question that Philip posed last week, I don't know if it uh, hit your heart as much as it did mine, his question around how many people essentially are coming to faith versus just maturing in faith. And so does that mean we should all become evangelists? No, I don't. But I think the question does arise, where are the evangelists? And are the evangelists equipping the saints for the work of ministry? And so you may be an evangelist, but may not be operating in that gift. And maybe God's just saying, actually, I want to begin to stir that thing up. And do you think one day you're just going to stand up and be an evangelist? I don't think so. There's an intentionality that's going to be required from you to either find an evangelist who's successful in his ministry, whatever that means, who's fruitful in his ministry, and to come alongside them and ask to be mentored. To be intentional about walking a road of growing in your gifting. And maybe you don't even know whether your gifting is evangelism. Well, there's, there's something to be intentional right there with. Figuring out what gift God has placed in you. I mean, it's really annoying. There's some people, right? It's just giftings are so obvious, yes? They're the annoying ones. And there's some of us who actually have to spend a lot of time with the Lord and a lot of time with other saints to finally have something identified in us and go, actually, I think that's of the Lord and not of you. I think God's placed that thing in you. And whether it's your upbringing, whether it's the history of the church, whatever it is, our lives generally are heavily weighted in one direction, which doesn't really serve all of us, right? We, we may end up of a church, say, a church of evangelists, right? And then everyone's supposed to be evangelizing, everyone's supposed to be out there on the streets, everyone's supposed to be getting everything that moves converted. But what is that? That's just taking one gift and making an entire congregation just one body part, I don't think that's what the Lord wants. But what it does mean is that if as a congregation we do have a weaker body part, it means we're actually going to have to seek the Lord a little harder in identifying that gift amongst us, but then also equipping that thing and releasing it. And generally it's going to be uncomfortable because we're generally operating like this as a congregation and God's saying, actually I want this body part over here to be a little more dominant and and prominent for now. And it's going to rattle us a little bit, won't it? Because inevitably, when you ask an evangelist to come and teach, they're going to want you to be out on the streets. Yes, I honestly don't think that's for everybody, but I do think we probably need to have that area of our lives shaken up a little. And it's of the Lord, not of us. It's so it's not us just coming saying, "Hey, let's just do something in evangelism." No, it's the Lord saying, "This is my body. I'm discipling her, and this is an area that I want her to grow in." And so let's identify, let's train up, let's equip let's release. And so that might even be you. And maybe this will be, maybe drive you into prayer to say, Lord, who are the evangelists? Because it's not me. Help me to identify them. There's service in that. And so for those of us who love to pray for other people and love to spend time before the Lord, why don't you give yourself to that? Lord, who are the evangelists in this, in this congregation? Who are you wanting to train up and who are you wanting to release? So every one of us needs to ask the question around intentional discipleship is what does your discipleship need right now? What does your walking and becoming like Jesus need right now? Perhaps it's a mentor. Perhaps it's to mentor another saint. This church does not believe in retirement, only retirement as in putting on new tires. That's the only retirement that we do. And so the older you get... Actually, you suddenly have more time on your hands, yes? So what does that mean? It means that there are a bunch of saints who need to learn some of the things that you've already forgotten, and God is calling you to mentor and to raise up the next generation. We retire when the Lord comes and says, you are hereby retired, and takes us back to be with Him. That's the only time we retire. You look at the old fathers of the faith, right? We have these incredible stories of Abraham, of Moses, all these guys, and we're like, I want to be like that. Way late in their lives. Way late in their lives. But God also uses the young, so I'm not saying we have to all wait till we get old. But a Joshua who gets to serve the Lord in an incredible capacity, stayed by Moses' side throughout his life. And so you see a young guy who was raised up in the Lord under the guidance of Moses, the man who saw God face to face. And so there's incredible power in mentoring. Something we maybe need to just rediscover and something we need to kind of investigate and look into. What is it that your discipleship needs right now? Do you need to find a mentor to speak into your life or do you perhaps need to mentor? Perhaps it's to give more attention to your emotional health. We've come out of an EHS series And for some of us, we're saying this is incredible, we've gone deep, but Lord, where are you taking us to now? Perhaps for some of us, God's actually saying, actually, there's some stuff I want you to dig into a little bit deeper. Perhaps there's something I want you to look into a little bit more. That doesn't mean everyone needs to be there. It doesn't mean everyone needs to be there. But what does your discipleship need right now? What is God saying your discipleship needs right now? What is God challenging you on at the moment? Don't know about you, but I, I don't know if it's just personality, but I often find when God has something for me, it's a challenge. It's generally not just like cool flowers and birds and like, this is so awesome, the Lord's just changed something in me. Generally, it's hard work. Generally, there's something that needs to be scraped off or shaped or something. What is it that God is challenging you on? Is it perhaps your Sabbath thing? Is that what God's challenging you in? Rest. Maybe it is. Are you our next preacher? Is God challenging you in that area? Next elder, next life group leader, what's God challenging you on? You may look at that and go, no ways, but then something inside of you goes, maybe ways. (laughs) Ever had that? And then you're like, oh, Lord, no. (laughs) You know it's coming. Next worship leader, that one I know never in my heart just comes out and says, maybe, never, it never comes up, maybe it's just really suppressed. (laughs) Our next muso, next media person, you know the funny thing is there's no job too low. With Jesus it's the opposite way around, right? Down is up and up is down. If we want to serve the Lord and become the highest in his kingdom, we actually need to be the lowest. Those whom God esteems the highest serve the most, which in the world is all messed up. It's those who sit at fancy tables and just point in command direction. They're the the fancy ones. Perhaps it's finding your joy again in your walk. Is that what the Lord's challenging you on? Finding your joy again in this walk with Him. Perhaps you've been through some really tough times, and it's not negated. It's not to say just get over yourself. It's not that. Perhaps with your discipleship, Jesus is saying, actually, I want you to deal with this thing because I want you to find your joy back. What is God challenging you on? That sounds impossible with what I'm currently going through. Exactly, that's why it's a challenge, and that's why you need Jesus. What prophetic dreams have you lost hope for? What has God spoken into your life over the years, and you've kind of like, "Mm, yeah, maybe, maybe not? Or perhaps you've never had that, and God's starting to want to speak something into your life, but it means actually having to quiet the world down, turn an ear to him, turn an ear to the prophetic gifts in our church to mentor us, And to say, God, what hope have you called me to? What dreams? Because you know your gifting is without repentance. You know what that means? It means even if you're the worst executor of your gift, God doesn't take it away. There's times when I'm like, I wish God would, just that it would kind of give me a hint that, you know, like things aren't really good with him. But nothing. You see guys living in an absolute moral, what's the opposite of integrity? Disintegrity, new (laughs) word. (laughs) That thing. Moral failure. And yet, their giftings, it's like they're on a next level of gifting. It's like, what is that? Your gifting is without repentance. And that means even if you've lost hope, we need your gift. Even if you've lost hope for what God's called you to, we need your gift. Because you may have lost hope, but I haven't lost hope for the fact that God has added you to this community to bring us something that we don't have. And if you don't find that intentional space to bring that gift, We're always going to be lagging in some area. And that's not to say you need to stay in that place of not having hope. God wants to renew your hope. That is the point. But to bring that gift, and sometimes even just operating that gift, just draws us into a space of being used by the Holy Spirit again, and He just instills us with that hope once again. What prophetic word or dream has God spoken into your life that you've lost hope for that perhaps He's wanting to reignite? Perhaps you've never had anyone believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you because if I didn't believe in you, God wouldn't have added you here. I believe he's brought you here because he's intentional. He's brought you here for a reason. And that's not just me trying to speak you up. Jesus is intentional about everything he does. He hasn't, oh, 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 we've got some new black chairs. I suppose we should find someone to sit in them. No. He's like, liberty is my bride that I'm raising up. They need this. Because they're lacking in it. What gift has God placed in you that we need? Jesus hasn't lost hope in you. Remember we saying Christ is risen from the grave. How do we lose hope when Christ is risen from the grave? If you need any other hope, it's found in that. The queen, she didn't rise from the grave. Well, she did, but she didn't. She did spiritually, but she didn't on the earth. But Jesus did on the earth. Hope is found in Him. And so even if we've lost hope, it's for us to turn our eyes back to Him, to have that hope renewed, to have that life breathed back into you. How does God want you to bring Him glory? How does God want you to bring Him glory, disciple of Jesus? He's got plans and purposes for you. We sang about bringing Him glory But it's not just us sitting, standing together, singing to Him that brings Him glory. He actually wants to use your life to bring Him glory. Perhaps it's in your family, perhaps it's in the marketplace, perhaps it's in financing ministries, perhaps it's in going to the nations. How does God want to use you for His glory? And for each one of us, it's going to be pretty different. And we have to really stop ourselves from the person who wants to go to the utter ends of the world and for us to go, no, man, the Lord wants us to be doing this. Well, maybe he wants both. He's incredibly massive with an incredibly large world to reach. How does God want you, disciple of Jesus, to bring him glory? Because his glory is far superior to your insecurities and my insecurities. And so it's not for me to have to just sort my life out and then one day I'll bring him glory. No, it doesn't work like that. He uses us broken people who are insecure, who are fearful, who've messed up, to bring him glory. But it takes us actually being intentional and bringing our gifts and bearing our gifts upon the body and upon the world and coming before him in humility. Remember Jesus? He says, I'm not here for the world, the people who are well. Those who are sick, those who realize and recognize that they need me, I'm there for them. He's the great physician for those who recognize they're sick. And so if you're insecure, you're in the perfect place to meet with Jesus. How does God want to use you to bring Him glory? Are you in step with what the Spirit demands of you currently? Are you in step with the Spirit? What does that mean? It means not running ahead. I want to be a preacher, so just, I'm just going to come right up to the front and preach right now. No, no. But it's also not, okay, I actually have a discipleship track or something for you to go on and we're just, no thanks Lord, I'll maybe next year. Maybe next year when I've sorted out blah, 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 blah. I'm sure we've all done that or is it just me? God's like, in my timing, not too soon, not too late, in my perfect timing. Are you in step with what the Lord has for you? And if you don't have the answer to that question, why not spend this week figuring it out? It's worth it. It's worth spending this week figuring out, God, where is it that you have me right now? How is it that you're wanting me to bring you glory? Am I in step with you? What are you wanting me to do to be intentional about my discipleship? Maybe it's finding a life group leader or a leader and just saying, listen, I just don't know what's going on. I've been away from the Lord. I'm kind of coming back, and uh, I just don't know what to do. Get someone to come alongside you and help you. Perhaps there's something in you that you know God's called you to. Perhaps it's preaching. And either you just haven't found the courage to get to it, or you're just kind of like, oh, that looks intimidating. It is intimidating, and it never gets any easier. Why? Because you're bringing the Word of God to people. This isn't just like a public speaking. I'm sure it's singing a poem. No, actually, never mind. I'll take that back. But perhaps speaking a poem is very different to speaking the words of Jesus Christ. But the benefit is that you do have Jesus alongside you, gifting you, calling you, equipping you, speaking the words of life. And perhaps God has that in you and for you, but you've just stood back and gone, no, it's fine. I'll just busy myself with something else. But actually, the glory that you're going to bring to Jesus is once that microphone is in your hand and He wants to use your voice to speak to people. Perhaps it's not that. Perhaps it's something else. What is it that God has for you that He's asking you to step up in and contribute for the building up of His body, but more than that, for His great glory? And so as we see in the top left quadrant there, this is really about the lordship of Jesus, right? That's the only reason we bring these gifts is because the Lord has gifted us, He's commanding us, and He wants to use us for His glory. Otherwise, it's far easier just to sit around, drink good coffee, and just hang out. But God actually has stuff for us to do, for His lordship to go throughout this earth. And so it's a great question Philip asks. Where are the new converts? Where are the new disciples that Jesus is making? Is it for us to, okay, well, let's all go and find converts? No, it's to say, Jesus, there are people who you have identified to be your sons and daughters who are not yet your sons and daughters. How can you use us? Here we are, wanting to see people come to faith. Why? Because we experience this life and life eternal. We don't want their... Little flame snubbed out one day for them only to go, oh, there is a Jesus who I thought didn't exist because they're going to meet him face to face. But actually, if he's called us to be a people who are making new disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that talks about new converts, perhaps that's your domain evangelist. Perhaps it's making disciples of all nations. Perhaps God is sending you across the nation's disciple. Perhaps it's teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Perhaps that's your domain, saint. We need all of these, right? For the authority of Jesus, which he has been, heaven and on earth, to be made known to the world. And for him to end it off by saying, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's an intimacy and a walking together with God that he intends for every single human being on this planet. And if we're just going to sit here and go, just teach us, just give us some more of this information, this is awesome, hallelujah, glory to God. There is space for that. But there is a world out there that needs to hear this gospel message. And everyone plays a part. And so again, it's not to say we must all become evangelists. No, we need to identify them. Those who pray need to be praying for them. Those who train and equip need to equip and train them. Those who have the finances need to send them. For all of us to co-labor together, not to play out of our lane, to run out of our lane, not to play out of position, and yes, there's times Paul says to Timothy, do the job of the evangelist. So, like we've got to do that stuff, but he has certainly gifted individuals for different things, and he has brought you, Saint, into liberty, because he's placed something in you that we need. And I want to ask you to commit this next week to figure out for this season, what is Jesus asking you to be intentional about in your discipleship? It's that simple. We're going to get practical about this one. We're not going to walk away and go, yeah, great theology. I've got some stuff that I... We're going to walk away from you going, Jesus, what do you have for me right now? And what do I need to do to prepare for it? Perhaps some of us have been prepared. Anyone who's been saved for more than three years should be planting churches. Just joking, that's a gifting. No, Pete, I thought you would love that. Special gifting right there. Jesus spends three years, right, with guys who are fishermen. And then he's like, I'm out of here. You go and plant this thing, I'm going to call the church. And they're like, sure. Imagine, okay, sure, they had Jesus in person, right? So let's triple it. Nine years. Let's give ourselves nine years to get into a place where the apostles are contributing toward the forward momentum of the church. Now, I'm not asking you to plant churches. I'm just asking you to be in a space where you're contributing your gift in a way that the church is growing and multiplying and developing and making new disciples. What are we going to do? Wait till Jesus returns before we go, I'm going to bring my gift. It's going to be too late. And yes, he's going to love us. Yes, it's not like he's going to lose our salvation because we haven't operated completely and fully in what he's called us to. But come on. There's so many gifts around this room. Yeah, come on, hey, come on. Let's see them step up. If, if there's any church I've been a part of, this one is willing to take risks. We're willing to take risks on your gifting. So what? We mess it up sometimes. Ask Pete, what was my first preach like? <laughs> you know, fortunately, it was back in the day before Facebook and the internet, and that's how long ago it was. But there is still a DVD, which I've locked away. I've buried it. It's, there's um, stuff on top of it. If anybody hears about it, I'm just going to set it a light and it's all going to disappear and, and burn away. But it's there to remind me how bad our gifts can really be when we start, and how bad it can be 20 years later. But how the Lord wants to use you and mature you and equip you for the building of His church. Come on, saints. Let this church be one where our gifts just come forth, and maybe we've had a hectic life, and maybe stuff has knocked the snot out of us. There's a God of hope, surely, a God of redemption. Let's see those gifts come out again. Let's see that hope rise up in you again. Jesus came from the grave. What could go wrong? Let's stand together. Oh, Heavenly Father, I think something I'm so grateful to you for is that you're not just a God of rah, 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 just trying to encourage, but you actually fulfill what you promised, and you actually fulfill all that you have dreamed and planned. And you have a purpose and a plan for every single person in this room, Lord, and you will bring to completion all that you have purposed. God, I pray that liberty would be a people who co-labors with you, walks in step with your spirit Not lagging behind, not running ahead of you. We don't want to do this without you. We want to walk in step with you. God, as we learn how to do that, would we be an inspiration for the next generation? From a young age, would they know what it means to walk in step with the Spirit? That they won't have to go through our our hiccups and all of our obstacles. Lord, they'll have their own. But would we be faithful to the generation that you've called us to? Lord, we all have limited time. Times it feels like we're going to live forever. But God, we know deep within us that that is not true. We'll live forever with you, but our effectiveness on this planet will come to an end. Prophecies you say, they will end. All these gifts that you've placed in your church, they will end. You've given them to us for a time such as this. We want to be faithful, Lord. Some of us are stuck. We don't know what it is that you're calling us to. We don't know how it is that we can move forward in discipleship. We don't know what gifts you've placed in us, God. I pray over this next week, we would just see an incredible release by your Spirit in words of knowledge and prophetic words and people understanding what you're calling them to, but also in equipping that you would grace them. You would give them the power to operate in the gift that you've called them to. This is not us just making up stuff and putting our hands to it, God. You said you would gift every single believer with a gift for the building up of the church. And God, it's not okay for any one of us to sit on our chair year after year after year, one day, going to bring this gift. God, sure, some of us are in a process of learning, some of us are in a process of development, Lord, would you make that happen in your time? But God, I'm also asking you to redeem some gifts who feel like their flames have burnt out. Your spirit ignite their spirits. words of David, Lord, whatever you do, just do not take your spirit away from me. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, would you ignite again in your people a desire to be your disciples, a willingness to be your disciples, an understanding of what it means to be your disciple, but also the courage to step out and be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Lord, your sons and daughters stand before you this morning saying, we may be fearful, but we make ourselves available to you. We are yours. We sing it so often, we are yours. God, would you use us? Would you put us to work in whatever area it is that you're calling us to? We need to move forward as a body, and we are moving forward as a body. But each part has something specific to do. God, would you make that alive to them? Would you make them aware of it? Would you open doors for it? Let us be an active people, not striving out of our own efforts, but striving because we've been graced by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to commit every single person in this room to you. For those, there may be some here who've never committed their lives to you, and so this doesn't matter right now. Lord, would you move them into a place where they go, actually, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I need my life to count. I need to spend an eternity with him. Because currently I'm living in opposition to him. And will not spend an eternity in his kingdom. God, you are calling them right now to turn their lives around. To repent of it. To say that way of life will not get me anywhere before the throne of God. I submit myself to the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, to his authority, which has been given to him, both on heaven and on earth. And Lord, for those who've been saved, perhaps some a week, perhaps some 20, 40, 50 years, God, would you renew that call in us? Would you renew the discipleship in us? Would you help us to be intentional this week about our next steps? And Perhaps you're not showing us what the next 50 years hold. That's okay. The next week, Lord. We are yours, we are here to obey you, but we need to hear your voice. And so we commit ourselves to doing that this week. Whether it's spending time alone with you, whether it's surrounding ourselves with saints, whether it's looking back on old prophetic words, Holy Spirit, ignite in every single one of us again that fresh anointing to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Thanks, Glenn. Uh, Jan's just going to quickly share, just stand with me a few a few more moments. Jan's just going to share a prophetic picture that he had uh,
1: that just ties into this as some confirmation. Thank you. Um, I don't mind if you just sit quickly. <laughs> um, then I can see you all. Um, yeah, thank you. I was uh, wondering if I should share it, but uh, you touched on something there a couple of times that um, I think I shared the word of the, the trumpet with you already. Um, uh, in 2018... October the 18th, Um, we were praying for the city, three of us, and um, we just had a time of worship and just lifting the city up before the Lord, and um, as we were worshiping, I just went into a a vision, and I saw um, Table Mountain and the the whole of the the Cape, but the the skies were clear, no clouds, no wind was like a perfect spring day <laughs> and um i saw the uh, 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 a golden trumpet descending out of the sky over table mountain and then i heard the lord say this is the time that i will blow the trumpet and the sound of the, trumpel, the trumpet will resound through the western cape uh, through south africa and into africa and um, i asked him what does this mean and then um he said, as the sound of the trumpet uh, goes through the, the land, um, it will call every gift and dream and prophetic word to remembrance of those that have received word to bring redemption to this land. Um, and he said, the harvest will be great. So the calls and the giftings that we have is not just for, for ourselves, um, a lot of the gifts that we have is for the edification of the saints, like it says in Ephesians 4. Um, but our, our equipping and our gifting is for those that are lost as well, you know, so that we can reach them, so that we have a answer for the hope of the glory that's within us. I don't, I don't want to start preaching, sorry. But um, um, the Lord says, the glory of what I'm going to do in this land will not be as former moves— Um, That was experienced in the land, but it will be more glorious. And then he said, therefore, repent for hoping in the restoration of former things. Um, uh, You spoke to me a bit about it. Afterwards, I prayed about it. I think there's a lot of us that look back at good economy, look back at roads without potholes, look back at things of prior 94, and we even speak about these things, you know? And um, I believe the Lord wants us to repent from that because that was also a a covered glory that was only, um, seemed to be for some, but others were left in the ditch, you know? So there's a repentance of that. And then he says, but... Um, step up and step out with hope and faith in your hearts. I'm doing a new thing, okay? And then he gave me two scriptures uh, concerning that. One is out of Isaiah 62, verse 4. It says, You shall no more be deemed forsaken, for your land shall be no more uh, termed desolate, but you shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married, for the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. Amen. And then the other one was Romans 8, verse 19 to 21. It says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing for the sons of God. For the creation is subject to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage, to corruption, and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So that's us as sons and daughters. And I believe this is the, 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 the message of that and the, the essence of discipleship and all of that is so that we can take up our positions of sons and daughters so that we can free the bondage, Those the creation, those that's created and still live in bondage. Yeah, okay, so just to, to confirm that. Thank you. Okay, and I, I know we're. You might just sit with us a moment longer. The Lord is speaking, and this is why we gather. So let's hear.
2: Yeah, this is also me trying to do the whole step out here thing, but um, I just feel that for some of us here, in terms of trying to find what our gifting is and what God has called us to, um, Isaiah fifty-eight verse six. Is it not this kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go forth before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard." I just feel that for some of us, that's where our calling is, Um, and that there is injustice around us, and there are those who are oppressed around us, there are those who are naked around us, um, and there are those without food around us, and God is just reminding us that perhaps for some of us, that's where we should look.